welcome back to the Honest as a Mother podcast. You are back with Amanda. And today on the podcast, I have Minakshi Sharma joining me. Did I do good? You did. <laughs> Yay. She has such a beautiful name that I was like, I'm just, I'm totally overthinking this and I'm going to butcher it. I was so proud of me. <laughs> I am proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, we have met over Instagram. Like, I don't even know why I explain this anymore. Like when have I met a new person in person Yeah, in the last year? Yeah. <laughs> um, we met over Instagram and I'm just, I'm obsessed with her page. Her page is called mama's untold thoughts. And right away, as soon as I saw her, like, uh, your name on Instagram, I was like, I need, I need to follow her. I need to know more. <laughs> and so I love everything you're posting. So thank you so much for coming on and joining me tonight and having this conversation. Of course. Thanks for having me. That's the sweetest introduction ever. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) So tell my listeners about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Minakshi. I'm born and raised in Ottawa here in Canada. Um, I am a mom to two little girls. Uh, My older one is four. My youngest is 16 months and I work full time and I have a bunch of side hustles that I don't even keep track of anymore because (laughs) yes you do that's that's life um but I think you know just being so involved with like community work right from you know my early years of childhood has really just continued on and followed um followed in my path to to motherhood and uh here I am so yeah I'm just just in a bunch of different things right now (laughs) Yes, you are. And it's so true, though, like you go into motherhood, and then it's like this next, like this other community that you've kind of dove yourself in. And then motherhood just kind of like messes you up in so many different ways. You're like, I need to connect with other moms and see how everyone else is doing. And then when you realize that we're all in the same boat, we're like, okay, we need to continue this conversation. Absolutely. And it's true. It's such an extension of like who we are. Um, and we just naturally kind of progress into this new realm of, you know, connecting with, with people, but at a different level entirely. Right. And I would say like with moms and dads as well, like I have actually a lot of conversations with dads and you get to hear how it's so important for them to connect with, um, you know, a community as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying just being, um, open on my, on my Instagram and, you know, sharing the honesty and the truth and the vulnerability that comes with, with motherhood. Um, and also speaking from a South Asian perspective as Mm -hmm. well. That's my background. Um, even though I'm born and, and raised in Ottawa, my parents are immigrants to, to Canada. And, um, I grew up in a very kind of uh, mixed sort of, you know, household, there was a mix of South Asian, but a mix of like, you know, Western society as well, and kind of blending the two and uh, sometimes being put in positions of complete confusion and 
Um, sometimes it still happens. I'm not going to lie, but, um, you know, now raising two little girls with a lot of those values and a lot of that cultural element and also being in an interracial marriage now and, um, kind of, so it's like, it's, it's, it's really interesting how it's kind of come back full circle and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, my children now, you know, go about and, um, find their, you know, significant others or their partners or whoever. And, uh, what that will be like, but, you know, really, really just trying to bring all, all the different elements to, to raising these two. Oh, I love that. And it will be cool. It'll be cool to see if like, then like their circle completes yeah, itself again. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be super cool to see that. <laughs> that is cool. What nationality is your husband? He's uh he's French Canadian. Okay. So he's, uh, you know, his parents born in, in Quebec and came to Ottawa and English has been not their first language. English, uh, French has been their first language. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting too, you know, when I met his parents for the first time, you know, and just marrying into the family and that sort of thing, like, um, a lot of adjustments, you know, right. there's cultural and then there's also now language sort of differences and, but it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. We've had our, uh, our challenges for sure. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I imagine this is just the beginning. There's going to be many more. And, you know, just the other day, we, my, my husband and I, we hosted a, an IG live together to kind of celebrate our, our anniversary. And I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was so cute. You guys are cute. <laughs> so cheesy. But, you know, one of the things that I pointed out, and I don't think I've ever explicitly come forward and said this on my public page, but one of the reasons why we did get married so quickly was because I wasn't allowed to move in with my boyfriend at the time uh, because of the cultural difference, right? Like for us in our culture, like girls and supposed to be boys too, but sometimes it comes really hard on girls mm-hmm. um, are not supposed to live with, you know, their boyfriends until, you know, you seal the deal and you have a marriage and that sort of thing. Um, and so for my husband, who was, well, my boyfriend at the time, like it was really hard for him to understand that he's like, right. Why? Like we couldn't even go away on a trip. Right. It was just very gotcha. like, like, you know, um, uh, we just don't do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like a taboo conversation very with your parents, taboo. right? Like it's, it's yeah. not happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is really funny because my brother who is two and a half years younger than me, he has a girlfriend and they go on trips together and they like, they're not married. Of course they do. (laughs) So there's some double standards that have happened, but um, you know, these are the, these are the pieces that I'm, you know, trying to bring awareness to and also um, kind of break down these uh, taboo topics and be open about it. And, you know, raising two little girls, I, I want them to live in a society that treats them as equals. And, um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot growing up in this double standard and I've always been one to fight back. I've never been one to keep quiet about it. And my, my parents know all about that. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and I'm just, I'm just here fighting. I'm here fighting for, for, you know, the future generations as well. So. I love it. Cause you know what? I feel the same way. And I think like when you become a mom too, when you have these little people now, you're like, I want to change the conversation. I don't want them to experience what I experienced or, 
you know, I'm sure our parents felt the same way, but it's just like you, you want them to have like a different life than you did, right? Like a better one. Mm -hmm. And you want them to be able to have like, I don't know, more freedom or just not the same struggles as you. So I think what you're doing is great. And you have two daughters and I don't know, sometimes this might be a double standard too, but sometimes I think it's just because I have a daughter too. So sometimes I think about things a little bit more for her mm-hmm. as opposed to my son. Like I want, obviously my son ha- will have his own challenges and things like that, but there is certain things I think I do specifically. And like, cause I have this little girl and she's watching yeah. me yeah. and she's watching me very closely yeah. and I want things to be different for her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you on that for sure. Even though I still feel like that's a double standard when I say that. I'm like, you know, or I don't know, just anything, even with like a diet. I'm like, I want my daughter to pick up on like, I want to be on a diet. And then I'm like, like, I get my son can have this too, but I don't know. The daughters have the special, I don't know, you worry more about them or something, which is again, stupid. (laughs) Well, and yeah, you know what? It's, it's true. But I think this is just the way we've grown up in society that we Mm -hmm. always have to uh, protect our girls. And we always have to, you know, raise girls to be, um, obedient and, totally. you know, and, and so I think because we've been so used to that, it almost, it's ingrained in us. Right. So mm-hmm. we have to, we have to find ways now through parenting to make it equitable for them so that they know that they don't have to worry about, you know, walking, going for a walk late at night, mm-hmm. or, you know, I saw this thing that on, on, probably on social media somewhere, I can't even remember where I saw it, but it was basically saying how, you know, women are constantly living in fear, right? Mm-hmm. We've been so, um, it's been told to us to always like, you know, watch your back when you're walking or cross the street. If you feel like you've been, you're being followed, like we're always given these, these strategies growing up, but what are we, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, what are we teaching our, our sons? Right. Right. Like what are we like to them? It's almost like a a free for all. Right. And again, I mean that in the most loving Mm -hmm. and loving way possible, but it's not always the onus should not always be on the girls, but it should always be on the boys and for everyone to be mm-hmm. held accountable and take responsibility for their actions, whether you are male, female, or ho- however you identify for that matter. So, um, so there's a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, still need to change. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're trying real hard to, um, to make it a better world, but also like, you know, there's, there's just certain things that we're just so used to because of our upbringing. It's true. And it's so hard to break those patterns. I find like, I don't know, sometimes even when I talk to my parents and I talk about like certain things that I worry about for my kids mm-hmm. and I think they're like, she's nuts. Like, why is she so worried about those things? Yeah. And they'll say, they'll make comments. Like it wasn't like that when we were parents and whatever. And I'm just like, I just think everything is changing and I think it's changing for the better, mm-hmm. but I think it's changing because like our generation is having these difficult conversations and we're standing up for different things. Whereas they did not as much and so now we're trying to change that narrative like we're doing right now tonight and it's it's difficult it's really Mm -hmm. difficult so I think we just maybe we have more pressure on ourselves as parents because we're trying to change our own world so that their world is better yeah and I feel like we also have access to so much more information than our parents did right like we've got social media we've got 
um, every social media platform. Like you go to Twitter, you go to Facebook, you Mm -hmm. go to Instagram, like there's just parenting things all over and not just parenting, but the world as well, right? Like the entire world is on social media. So it's just, we have access to all of this and sometimes it can be a good thing. And sometimes it can be a bad thing. And I always Mm -hmm. say, I have a love hate relationship with social media. Like if I, if I could just like do my like side hustle without being on social media, sometimes I would love to do that. I know. Me too. There's just, I get it. It's almost like, it's almost inevitable that you can't do your side hustle without having some sort of social media presence, right? Because that's how we're all, especially now. I mean, if we weren't in a pandemic, I think it would the, the story would be different. But because we are in a pandemic, you know, 95% of our way of connecting with people is on social media right now. Um, and us meeting, you know, on Instagram is a prime example of that. <laughs> yeah, because we're in a pandemic, I would say 95% of us are all connecting on social media. And, mm-hmm. you know, us, we are a prime example right here. Like we just connected on, on Instagram. Right. So, um, so yeah, definitely a love hate relationship with, with social media. Me too. I, I really do hate it a lot of days. And then like a couple weeks ago, I fixed our fridge because of YouTube. So like there's balance there. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's so crazy, but so I know that you are a big mental health advocate Um, And I know that you are trying to break down stigmas for moms and dads and really just everyone. Mm. Would you share some of your experiences since you've become a mom? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So after I had my first, um, I actually had a very traumatic birth experience that I didn't know I had a traumatic birth experience. No one Mm -hmm. told me that it was traumatic. Um, It just seemed like it was a part of the whole deal of having kids, right? You just, you go through this. And um, it wasn't until I had my second where I actually started going to therapy because I was not feeling good. Um, And it was through that therapy session. So this is now like, you know, three years later after having my first and just recently having my second, I realized, and she diagnosed me with having PTSD with having uh, postpartum depression and anxiety. And I didn't know, I had no idea. I, you know, were there signs? Yes. Were they the telling signs? No, I, I felt fine. Like I felt, you know, some days I felt great. Some days I felt like complete shit. And um, I didn't know, I thought maybe that was just normal. And I thought that's just how we went about it. Um, So And then through those therapy sessions, I also learned that I've been experiencing bouts of anxiety and depression my entire life. Mm, Interesting. So it was a, it was a very, a very big realization. And, um, I knew if I was going through this, then very certain other moms were going through this as well, where we not, where we're not, you know, giving ourselves that full attention to get the help that we need. And I think, um, you know, coupled with, again, being in a pandemic and just um, not having that normal support system that we, we would have, um, I was, I was feeling, I was feeling very down. I was feeling very down. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, very, um, 
not motivated. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to participate in anything that like, you know, the family was doing. And by family, I mean, just like, you know, the four of us even like going for a walk or that sort of thing. So, um, so I knew that something was, was off and, you know, I always go back to that moment where I had my six week follow-up with my second and I spoke to my OB because, you know, it's the routine sort of check-in after you have baby. And she asked me, how are you doing? And I actually responded back saying, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I'm doing. I'm feeling very anxious. I'm very, um, uneasy. And, you know, I love, I love my OB, but her response to me was not the response I was, I think, looking for or wanting or hoping for, you know, she just told me that this is your second. So you're probably just adjusting and you're probably just feeling a lot more like on edge because, you know, now you're managing too. Right. Which in, in retrospect, yes, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it really, it really opened my eyes because we have, you know, all of these sort of prenatal appointments that we go to and we're always continuously checked. Um, But then after baby, like we only have that one six week appointment that we go to and then that's it. Like, you know, it's basically like, good luck. You're on your own. And I know I'm fed up with that. I know there's many, many moms who are fed up with that. And even just having access to, um, you know, resources that are again, available to all, like, I mean, therapy is expensive. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not cheap. Right. And we live in a time where, you know, you might not be able to afford it. And Um, so there's still so much work that needs to be done in this space. And, but for that, I, I, you know, I took it upon myself to, um, to, to try, to try to do something and started a non-for-profit organization, um, called the Lotus movement and it's a mental health organization and, um, started literally almost a year ago. It'll be a year in, in April and, Um, The focus has been to raise awareness in the South Asian community because Mm -hmm. it is a taboo topic. Mental health is a taboo topic in the South Asian community, but also um, unite with other, you know, racialized communities so that we can discuss our challenges and the pushbacks we receive and just be more vocal about the resources and help that we, you know, we as communities need. So um, we are working really closely with the the Royal Mental Health Center here in Ottawa, and we're really trying to um, just break down break down those barriers as much as possible. Like when it comes to maternal mental health or perinatal mental health or men's mental health, yeah. um, you know, working with like I said, you know, marginalized communities like the LGBTQ plus community, um, you know, BIPOC communities, and just being inclusive of of all the communities out there who, mm-hmm. um, who need access to, to resources. So, um, it's been a journey. It really has. And, uh, you know, a huge, like I said, a huge revelation of, you know, for myself, but also like just realizing that there's so much that needs to be done in this space. And for me, I'm very action oriented. Like I, it's one thing to talk about it, but then it's another thing to like do something about it. And so, um, you know, the calling was to, to start this organization. So, so yeah. That's incredible. That's amazing. I'm like, I just, I'm so happy to hear that. I didn't realize that you had started that that long ago and that it's been going for almost a full year. I am such 
an advocate for it myself. I agree with you on all standpoints. Like there needs to be a better solution. There shouldn't just be a six week follow-up. There needs to be more. Um, I'm working with the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collaborative and they're trying, they're pushing the government to, for that. Um, I mean, they've done really amazing work and I really hope that the government hears them because it's, and I love when you talked about your OB's response, Mm -hmm. there's so many women that get that type of response. Like, oh, that's normal. You're just adjusting. And like, I love how you said, um, you know, like they kind of throw the baby at you, like, bye, (laughs) you're on your own. (laughs) And even like after um, my daughter, after I had my daughter, I had an infection in my C-section incision. And I couldn't find anybody to help me. It was like, I called my OB. You're not my patient anymore. And I literally was like, what do you mean? I'm not your patient anymore. I literally had my like insides on your table a few weeks ago and you don't even care. Like it was just incredible. And then I I went to her for my six week follow-up. I'm with you. Loved my OB. I'm not knocking her. She's an incredible physician, but I, she gave me like a checklist and I didn't really fit any of those boxes. So I too felt like I was struggling a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But since I didn't fit like the paper that she gave me, I was like, okay, well, I I must be in the clear then. Yeah. And it's so wrong. Like there needs to be something more or there needs to be someone who specializes in mental health that you report to at that six week follow-up. I almost think like the mental health aspect is more important than like the physical check. Absolutely. And I like, um, so it's very similar. I I don't know the entire story, but like same thing happened to me. I got an infection after Mm -hmm. my emergency C-section. And um, so when we got home, everything was, was going fine. Like we were just adjusting. Um, It wasn't until like maybe five days later where the infection started and then had to rush back to the hospital, be readmitted, put on like IV antibiotics and, and then being away, I don't know if it was the same thing for you, but being, I had to be separated obviously from my newborn because I didn't want my newborn to be, you know, in the hospital setting and Mm -hmm. immersed with all these other germs and all of that. So, um, but then for me too, like it was this pressure of like, because I can't be with her, I need to, I need to produce milk for her. Like I need to breastfeed for her. And so I was still getting up like every two hours or hour and a half to pump so that I could at least build that supply and then maintain that supply. Cause I already felt like shit for being away from her in the hospital. And so, um, you know, these were the things that no one spoke about, you know, like, no one really understood. Like, you know, it was, you know, hearing it from my own family, like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Like that's right. fine. But you don't understand the like mental load it's taking on me to get through these moments right now. And just trying to tell myself that it is going to be okay when I don't even see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, when I got home when I was finally released from the hospital for the second time, I still had to have a nurse come to the house for three months to pack my incision because oh my gosh, it couldn't be like, it's not like they can restitch it. They have to let it heal from the inside yep. out. So, 
Um, so even that was very like disruptive in our routines, right? Because mm-hmm. here you are trying to adjust to having a new child, but you're also having a nurse come in <laughs> every day to pack your incision, which is so damn painful. Like mm-hmm. I, like, I can't even tell you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure like cringing you- at the thought. Cause <laughs> remember when you're in the hospital and they have to like push. Oh my God. Oh, oh. my God. Wasn't it the worst the second time around? Because you knew what that felt like too. Oh my god! The second time, I can't even. I got tell just you. cringe. I can't even tell. Like the second time, like because you knew what to expect. So the funny thing with the I shouldn't even say funny thing. It's not the funny thing, but the bizarre thing about the second time was that you literally walk into the because I had a scheduled C section for me too. Second, right? So literally, you walk into the OR, okay, and then you yeah. sit on the tape. You sit on the the operating table, and you can see all the like instruments that they're going to be using on you yep <laughs> and then you just have like you know the anesthesiologist coming and you know putting in your your epidural or whatever but meanwhile like you're just like oh my god in like literally less than 10 minutes you're going to be cutting me open right now I know it's weird right <laughs> it's so weird <coughs> oh gosh. Um, yeah it's, and just like you weird. know it's just it's the most it's the most weird weirdest thing I've ever experienced because it's just, you know, it's, it was so different between the emergency and the scheduled and like trying to, um, trying to even mentally prepare myself. Like I was having, and this is where the PTSD came from. I was having, um, lots of nightmares leading up to my scheduled C-section. I don't know if you felt the same way as well, but I was having a lot of nightmares, but I didn't know. I didn't know. Like subconsciously, this was just sitting in, in, in my mind somewhere. And then after speaking to my therapist, she was like, I would explain these, you know, moments because it was like, when you had your emergency C-section, you didn't have control. You just suddenly lost control of everything. Right. Right. And, and that can be traumatic. They totally label an emergency C-section as traumatic, especially if you've got a birth plan in your head. Like, and then it's all taken from you and you have really no choice because usually there's something going on with baby, yes. something going on with mom. So yeah. obviously the right choice is to get baby out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. having like made it to seven centimeters and then being told that like, okay, we got to get oh. baby out. <laughs> Yes. You know, it's hard. It's heartbreaking because you did like, I labored for over, you know, 24, 36 hours, whatever it was. And went through two epidurals to, (laughs) I would have been pissed. I was so pissed. I was just, I just remember when they said it, like I was, I started crying. Like I was, I was crying like inconsolably and you know, everyone was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. Like, this is not okay. This is not what I planned for, right? Exactly. So yeah, yeah. I had I had two planned C sections. Mm-hmm. So I've never I've never in my life experienced a labor pain. Yeah. I think <laughs> I've had two the- babies and yeah. I've never I've never done it. So people will ask me because like, well, you've had a baby. What does a contraction feel like? I'm like, literally no idea. Not the yeah. right girl to ask. <laughs> my son was breached, so I didn't have a oh, choice yeah. with him. And then my daughter, I just chose to, but yeah. I can totally relate. I had nightmares before the second one too. I found the second one a million times scarier, even though the first one was very similar, at least yeah. like the first one I had no idea. Yeah. Right. But when you like kind of know what to experience going into the, that second one, it's terrifying. It is so terrifying. It is. Yeah. Like, like I said, I think I had 
yeah, I definitely had a lot of anxiety, anxiety going into, into that schedule C section, but, um, but then also kind of like knowing what was going to happen. Like, you know, you, you were, I don't know. It was, it was weird. Like it was like, so weird. It was just so weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't explain it to someone unless they do it twice. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, but super cool. I didn't know that about you. So I'm glad, I'm glad we can, we can relate. Oh <laughs> relate yeah. To that. It's just, yeah, I do. I think it's my favorite thing when people ask me, they're like, yeah. you, have, you have two kids. So what's labor like? No idea. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to point them over to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, so if there was a mom who was listening, who is like, you know, wondering her six week follow-ups coming up or she's about to give birth, like, would you, what would you give yourself advice? Like if you could go back and give yourself mm-hmm. some advice or give it to another mom, mm-hmm. what would you do before your six week follow-up this time around? Um, stand up and advocate for yourself as much as possible. I feel like I was just very naive about it. And um, I've learned a lot after the second one, actually, I've learned, um, I've learned to, uh, I've learned myself more actually Mm -hmm. after having my second. And so um, to anyone listening who is kind of in that, you know, space where they will be um, going to their sixth week and they're just not, they're not feeling okay. Like, don't, don't be afraid to shy away from it and to speak up about it and ask for help. Um, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. There's a big stigma around asking for help and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just be open, be open with yourself and be open with your, um, with your family physician or your OB as well. Yeah. How did you, how did you ask for help? Um, I think for me, it was when I was not, when I knew finally that like something was not right. Um, obviously the first person I went to was my husband and said like, I'm pretty sure I need to talk to someone. And he was very supportive. And he said, um, you know, uh, he actually commended me for like being open with him and just recognizing that this was, this was something important to do. Um, and also because like there were some things that he was doing, it was triggering my anxiety as well. And it's not to mm-hmm. say that like, he's super hands-on, like he's like, he is, he's probably like the favorited parent between. <laughs> right. you know, Aren't the they people. always? They are always, you know, like they, they just get away with everything with him. Right. But, um, it was just, it was definitely, um, it was time, it was time to do something about it. And, and I think just being open and having that communication with your partner is so critical to, um, to recognizing that you need help. And then, um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily talk to anyone else about it. I just, I, I told myself that, you know, this was, um, something that I wanted, I needed, I needed to do not even want, but I needed to do for myself. Um, but then after, you know, a couple of sessions, I was then ready to just share more publicly about it. And that even talking about therapy and how therapy should never be also the last resort, that it is completely okay to see a therapist, even if you are feeling okay. Um, and so that was the other push and message that I really wanted to put out there. And that was something I learned. I didn't know that beforehand. I was also under the same, you know, mentality that you only see a therapist when you need help. Mm -hmm. So wrong. You know, you can see a therapist at any point in your life, whether it be good, bad, happy, sad, whatever. Um, having that, you know, third party, uh, perspective on life is is actually quite eye-opening so isn't it though and like 
I love that you said that because I think a lot of us as moms too struggle with the whole like I don't feel like sad I don't feel Mm -hmm. like especially when you think about like postpartum depression a lot of moms have said to me when I started to share my story that they didn't realize that you know, anger was a symptom. They didn't Mm -hmm. realize, you know, anxiety could be a problem. Mm -hmm. They just thought, you know, if I want to hurt myself or my baby, I'll call someone. That's it. Cause that's kind of the, I don't know. It's just like the thing around it. Like if you have postpartum depression, you want to hurt yourself or your baby and that's it. End of story. So if you don't do those things then you're fine. Exactly. And that was the exact message that I got from my OB as well, was that if you ever feel like you're going to hurt yourself or baby, you present yourself to the ER, but that's, you know, that's such an extreme, you know, I think there is there, but I think there obviously are cases where, you know, mothers or fathers or parents might feel compelled to, you know, um, to be at that certain time. Otherwise they wouldn't say it, right. Like the the doctors say it, but there's also, there's a process to it, right? Like there's a process of, of buildup and right. it's that process that we need to address. Like, where is this buildup happening and where is it coming yeah. from and how can we support one another when we are feeling this way? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, sp- I speak really openly about also having a village and the importance of having a village and, yes. um, you know, with the, with this pandemic, again, we've, we've sort of lacked, lacked that village, mm-hmm. uh, per se, but I think, um, you know, that's another sort of initiative and I wouldn't even call it a side hustle, but more so like just pure out of, um, out of heart that, uh, wanted to start something like that for moms in Ottawa. And it's called the village project. And, um, again, the focus is to show, show our solidarity and show our support for each other as much as possible. And, um, there's just a lot, a lot that needs to be done in this space. And, um, if, uh, if I could do it full time, I would. <laughs> oh my God. Me too. Honest if, to God. If, you know, if somebody if, could just pay our bills. By doing Honestly. all the mental health work, I would be Honestly. happy to. Right. It's, it's I should have been a therapist or something. I know. <laughs> I I honestly I have sometimes like, you know, kind of like, should I switch careers now? Is Me the, too. Is My husband the- is always supportive. He's like, do it. And I'm like, yeah. what how will we pay bills until I, I get know. there? <laughs> I know. And that's it, right? Like it's just there's always like that calling where you want to do it and then there's the responsibilities that kind of hold us down, but always, um, but the village thing is like, I just love that you've created this space for moms because there's so many moms who don't have, you know, grandparents or parents Mm -hmm. or sisters, brothers, whatever. A lot of moms struggle to make mom friends. And honestly, most of my mom community has been online. And I, that's the reason I started my podcast. I started to connect with other moms before I started the podcast oh gosh like years before and just reading other mom blogs and looking on mom's instagrams and different stuff like that and it was just so even tiktok now I've never felt so heard (laughs) like I've never felt so seen I see these moms making these tiktoks and I'm like yes like this is what I need and she might live in the U.S. but she is now part of my mom tribe because I talk to her all the time and you know or people like you, when you post some of your reels and I howl at them and I'm like, they're so good, but they're so true. And it's just like, (laughs) we, we uplift each other, even just as simple as posting our truth or 
even if it's not like a serious truth, if it's something really funny, like how your kids drive you crazy, it's just so (laughs) nice to see another mom lose her shit on the internet. Yes. Yes. I feel you. And like, you know, I actually am doing a reel about this, like probably hopefully tonight or tomorrow. I don't know. Sometimes like content planning does not go as planned when you no, when you're a mom never so does I'm you should make a time. you should make a reel about that <laughs> I need to make a reel about that because it's just like it's always out the window but even this concept of community like I just want to stress that um you know building a community on a social media platform is so um unorthodox right like community when we think of community we think of people and being in in in-person settings and you know a community could be as something as simple as like your neighborhood as well, right? Like going out and seeing your neighbors. And sometimes I find like, you know, the word community is used so, um, so loosely in the sense that like, you know, I see a lot of like mom influencers who are always kind of saying like my community, my community, my community, which is amazing. But let's, let's be inclusive of that Mm -hmm. community, right? Like, let's call it, it's our community. It's not my community. It's ours. It's all of ours. And so sometimes I find that the messaging in, in some of, um, in some of these spaces becomes very like clicky and very, um, you know, uh, I guess like clicky is probably the best, best way to to describe it. Yeah. And so that's what I'm, I'm always not fearful of, but very just mindful of that. Like, Mm -hmm. I never, ever want a mom to feel like they can't come to my page that has become like, like you said it, like, it's like a community, like with anything else, like a community page, but I would never, ever want them to come and feel like there's any isolation or any, like never, like I want it to be this place of harmony and bringing people together. And just like you said, uplifting and connecting mm-hmm. with um, like-minded moms and just growing all of us growing together and supporting each other in, in the best way that we can. Um, and that's why that's kind of how like this concept of the village project manifested was because like, we need to stop, we need to put our egos aside. And, you know, if it means one day that I need a cup of hot, like a beverage, a hot beverage or something, I should be able to just put it out into the universe that I need a hot beverage or I need a cooked meal or whatever it is. And no one should feel like any sort of holdback that we should just be there and just like strive to just help each other. And, you know, um, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but that's <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> and to bring it back, but to bring it back full circle, like to me, that's, that's what a, that's what a community is. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I just kind of get a little fearful when we talk about like, you know, social media communities, because I think again, it just, we almost lose like the essence of what community stands for. Yeah, and, I get that. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm hoping to get this reel out and I'm trying to make it as like nothing like passive aggressive, nothing like just, just the honesty, just the truth, right? Like, yeah. let's just, let's bring it back. I think sometimes we get all um, tied up with the like analytics and the algorithms of social media and that sort of thing. But before this, like, how did we all meet? We all met at parks or, you know, social Mm -hmm. gatherings and events. Um, and we never measured anything. There was nothing to measure. (laughs) No, it was like 
these are the things that like these are the games happening or these are the um you know the the events that are going to happen or that sort of thing like those those were the those were the moments to connect and so I think yeah I think we just sometimes have to bring it back to I guess the, the good old days if I can say it's true though it is and I find that even like in this podcasting world sometimes some of it can be really clicky and yes you know sometimes you can go on certain pages and I'm like I don't really know that this is where I belong I don't know and then so those pages I'm like no 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 (laughs) like you can't or um or even something like I think I'll connect with someone for my podcast and maybe we just don't have the same views or I don't feel like um they're as open as I am because that's like kind of where my motto is coming from I don't care what you do as a mom I just want to be here to support you I don't care if you're like the crunchy mom or the Pinterest mom or the what I'm the hot mess mom so as long (laughs) as nobody cares that I'm like that you know what I mean yes yeah we just all need to come together and just support each other and not judge each other and just realize like really Mm -hmm. at the end of the day we're all on the same playing field and we all have the same goal which is to raise good humans and not get killed by them in the process. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we just need to be here for one another. Exactly. I am yeah. with you. I'm with you. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Please share with everyone where they can follow you, where they can find all these lovely pages and like these little side hustles you're <laughs> you're doing here um and of course your radio show we didn't even touch on that so please tell everybody all about this (laughs) oh my goodness yes my radio show oh my gosh that's like almost a year coming up to a year so cool yeah so basically um radios I've actually been doing radio for a really long time here in Ottawa locally and uh, my mom still does radio like she's got a radio her own radio that's show. so cool and, yeah with uh, Carlson University but yes I mean I've, I've just always been in this radio world and um, for me it was this this opportunity to to continue my conversations and um, you know like I said I do a little I feel like I'm just I'm really all over the place and I really need to stop but it's just like I'm no don't stop <laughs> don't stop I'm like you know it started on it started on YouTube and then you know I still keep up with the videos but then decided to to go into the world of of radio digital radio I guess they call it now so um yeah so it's with Ruckus Avenue Radio and it's a South Asian uh platform with uh you know over I'd say like 80 80 hosts and um, everyone coming from different areas across the world and um, my show is primarily about parenthood and uh, talking to parents in a, in a conversational style so just just like how we're doing how we're doing mm-hmm. tonight and I feel like that's just the best way to connect with folks and have yeah. uh, you know meaningful and uh, and heartful conversations so uh, yeah. And if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Mama Untold Thoughts. Um, you can also check out my website where there's a lot more information about like um, uh, kind of the side hustles. And it's just simply minakshisharma.ca. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. That's where, awesome. that's where you can find me. <laughs> awesome. I, I so appreciate you coming on and having this conversation. I love talking to moms like you and I am just so happy that we finally got to do this. Yes, me <laughs> Even too. if the internet isn't being good to us. <laughs> this is a long time coming. I want to thank you, Amanda, too, for just thank having you. these conversations and, and 
um, you know, connecting with so many moms and I think you're doing an amazing job as well. So Thank keep, you. keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, this has been, this has been so much fun. Awesome. Well guys, thank you again so much for tuning in to another week and I will talk to you next week. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Honest as a Mother podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you.